Good morning, Community Church. I want to tell you a story today. It's a true story. And I'm giving a fictitious name to the character in the story. His name is John. John and his wife and their children attended this church. I saw them come in in the mornings on Sunday, and many times I would look right into John's face to welcome him. And I saw a sadness in his eyes. I saw a flatness in his countenance. There was something going on in John's life, and I didn't know what it was, but I really wanted to know. Each week he would come in and I prayed, Lord, let him come to me, let him talk to me so I can see what's going on in his life. A few months passed and I received a phone call. It was from a co-worker of John's. He said to me, John is really in trouble. I think his marriage is falling apart and he would like to come and talk to you. Is that possible? I said, of course. Come on over to the church and let's talk. Both of them came and the young man who brought him stood off to the side while John and I sat in the booths over in the fellowship hall area. John said, my marriage is falling apart. I'm a terrible person. I don't know what to do. I need your help to put my marriage back together. I looked at him and said, John, God will help you with your marriage, but it's not your marriage God is most interested in saving. It's you. He said, John, I was where you were many years ago. I was wandering. I was asking questions. I was doing things I shouldn't be doing. And God sent a man to me, a man who told me about Jesus Christ. He told me I needed him, and I didn't understand that. But after some persuasion, some conversation, I accepted Christ. I was lost, but then I was found. And that's what you need, John. You need Jesus in your life. That's the starting point. You're not going to get any better. Nothing's going to change unless Christ is in your life. John sat there with tears coming out of his eyes and he was sobbing and he looked up at me and said, I know that, I need Jesus. And so we prayed right there in the fellowship hall and John accepted Christ. Today, which is a few years later, John and his wife and their kids are in another state. They're doing well, they stay in touch and, and I know how God has worked in their life. You know why? Because that, my friends, is the gospel. We're in our second week now of go and tell. To do things that need to be done to help other people hear the message of Jesus Christ. John had had a terrible time in his life because he did not have Christ. God used me to offer him Christ. Not because I'm a pastor. Let me say that again. It's not because I'm a pastor that I'm in full-time service to the Lord. That's not why he used me. He used me because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe everyone should follow him. And any opportunity I'm given, I will tell people that. Because that is the gospel. Now, there are three basic principles for you to understand today as we continue to talk about going and telling others about Jesus Christ. This is the first one. 
you must believe that the gospel is the power of God to change hearts. And it is, my friends. He changes hearts. He changes relationships. He brings you into a new understanding of life. You put on glasses of Scripture and you see the world in a fresh way. That's what God wants to do. Today I want to show you just one of many places in the Scripture that this is evident. I want to talk about the Apostle Paul and his co-worker Silas. I'm going to give you a little of the backstory before we get into our text. Paul and Silas were traveling in Macedonia, which is a geographical area, specifically in the city of Philippi. And there they were walking through the streets proclaiming Jesus Christ as King, as Lord. Well, there was a woman that was following them around. We learn later that she was a slave owned by some of the merchants in town because she was prophetic. She would go around and tell people what they wanted to hear and help them be enticed to purchase things from the merchants. Now, what a scam it was. Well, she was following Paul and Silas through the streets. And she was saying, Behold, men of God who've come to tell you about the Lord. Paul became so irritated with her that at one point in his ministry, he actually turned to her and he cast the demon out. When the merchants discovered that this had happened, they realized they just lost one of their biggest assets. That now she could no longer do what she had been doing for them. And they were furious. So they had Paul and Silas arrested. They had that much power. Not only arrested, but they had them beaten and they had them thrown in the inner sanctum of the jail, the deepest part of the jail, and chained their legs together. It was a terrible situation to find themselves in. That's where I want us to pick up the story. Two men who love Jesus in prison, in the dark, at night. Look what the Bible says in Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourselves, we are here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Why? Because God 
changes hearts. He changes relationships. He brings you close into himself, which is where he always intended you to be. There they were, ready to die, not afraid of sharing the gospel. <laughs> they began to sing. I just want you to place yourself in that prison for a second, just in your mind, and think of being one of the other prisoners. They'd been in there for a while. They were also chained. They were in the dark. They were furious. They were men who just could not stand the fact that they had been caught doing what they were doing, and here they were in prison. And these two new guys get thrown into prison, and they're singing? Something is wrong with this picture. But here they were, singing away. Why? Because Paul and Silas expected God to do something. You see, God can do anything He wants, anytime He wants, anywhere He wants, regardless of the circumstances. And that's what they believed by faith, that they were there for a reason. They had shared the gospel, and now they were being punished for sharing it. They were suffering on behalf of Jesus Christ. You see, I didn't have anything to lose by sharing the gospel with John. I mean, what could happen? He could reject it, but he wasn't rejecting me. He would be rejecting the truth of Jesus Christ. But instead, he accepted it. I get no glory for that other than to say the faithfulness of God flowed through me to bring another person into the kingdom. I had nothing to do with it. God changed his heart. So let me ask you a question. Who have you talked with recently about Jesus? Have you had that opportunity? Have you made that opportunity to tell other people about the wonderful kingdom of God? Especially in this time, in this age in which we are living, the hope we have must be generated by who He is. I know that there's a hesitation in sharing the gospel. I was there once. The concern is, well, I don't really feel like I know enough to talk about who Jesus is. These may be legitimate concerns that you have, that you don't feel you're able to answer the questions. But let me give you a little clue, a little hint on one way to do this. When someone asks you a question, let the answer come from Scripture. Always keep the conversation between the individual and the Bible, not between the individual and yourself. Why? Because God has the answers for all the questions that they are asking. Let's go back to the jailer for a moment. This jailer would have been a military man because that's who managed the jails. He would have been near the end of his career, and he was given this responsibility because he had already proven himself through years of service. He was a disciplined man. He was a man who came under authority well, and he understood his responsibility, that anyone who came into his jail, he would have to maintain them there until they were called out of it. Because if they escaped, then he would be liable for their escape. He locked everybody down. He checked their chains. He checked the doors. He probably did this every single evening before he went upstairs to his home where he and his wife and his children would have a leisurely meal, knowing that everything was safe down below. He had completed his assignment for the day. And that's how I picture him sitting up there 
enjoying things, and all of a sudden, an earthquake comes, and everything starts shaking, even the house in which he's living. And he begins to be concerned because he knows what kind of damage this could do downstairs. So he goes back down to the jail, and when he gets there, he sees that all of the doors have been flung open. And he recognizes the fact that the chains are off the people. Here's his thought. I am going to be held for dereliction of duty. I will be punished for this. I'll be killed for this. I can't let that fall on my family. I'd rather take my own life than have my family know that I had done a, a terrible thing by not taking care of these people. Paul understood that. That's why Paul yelled out, Do no harm. Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Why were they all there? I believe in the midst of that earthquake, and this is still just my conjecture, that there were angels next to every one of these prisoners. They undid the locks, but they kept the prisoners there. Prisoners didn't have the ability to move or to leave because God had a purpose. There was something that God wanted to accomplish. Now, when this man comes in and he sees Paul and Silas, he realizes that God has shaken his life up. And he says to them, Lords, that's the actual word he uses, Lords, what must I do to be saved? And look at what Paul does. Paul takes that phrase and he turns it around and he says, The Lord, Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord. They're not Lords. There's only one Lord. We are not Lords. He is. The Lord is who you need, jailer. This is what it's all about. You don't need to take your own life because we have come here to save your life. So this is what happened to the jailer. He was brought into the presence of God, into the unseen world. He encountered the supernatural. And that's what happens when God comes into your life. He had found his reference point. You see, when God created man, God himself was the reference point for Adam and for Eve. They understood life because he had given them life and they were in relationship with him. But when they sinned, they fell out of that relationship with him and they no longer had that ultimate superior reference point. The jailer never had a reference point. At best, it was his military service. It was his soldiers above him who looked down on him. But now, with this supernatural encounter, the jailer has a reference point through all eternity. He now knows who God is. He knows who Jesus Christ is. He knows what has happened in his life. And he knows that this Jesus has the power to change his life. And he did. Two different quotes I ran across in my research on this text. And I just love them enough that I want you to hear them. The first one is, The jailer was a heathen when the sun set and a Christian when the sun rose. I really like that. That change took place just overnight. The other one is, the outcast jailer changed nationalities in a moment. What does that mean? Well, you and I, according to Scripture, are aliens. Our nationality is in heaven. And therefore, he went from being an earthbound individual to a heaven-directed person. He was on his way to glory. There's another understanding that we need as we consider our responsibility 
in sharing the gospel with other people. And it is this, that you must embrace your responsibility to share the gospel. The Lord saves. I've never saved anyone, but God does. He brings earthquakes into life. He shakes up our daily living. He grabs our attention in order to save us. He used the perfect person in my life so that I would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He was a pastor for whom I had no respect just because I didn't like pastors. But he was also a former All-American football player, 6'8", almost 300 pounds. That attracted me. That impressed me. And that little subtleness of God used him over a period of time to draw me into the kingdom of God. And he drew me into relationship with him because that's how he works. And when I received that, I recognized that God uses different methods to change people's lives. Recently, my wife and I watched a movie. It was a true story about the seasons in one individual's life. It paralleled the biblical story of Joseph who had been sold into slavery in Egypt. Well, this young man who lived in Texas had brothers who despised him because he was supposed to inherit everything from his father and they didn't want him to. And so they beat him up, they put him on a train bound somewhere in Texas and off he went. They did not see him again for six years. But during that six year period, something happened. He obtained a job in another town in Texas. And while in that job, he was accused of a crime that he did not commit. He was thrown in jail. And while in that jail, he met four men. These four men were followers of Jesus Christ. They understood their responsibility. They knew that they had to talk to him about Christ. Well, the biggest of them, the meanest looking one, comes to him and he says this. He says, in here there are two realities. There is heaven and there is hell. And you get to choose. Well, let me tell you, friends, that's not a lot different from it is in the world today, is it? That there are two realities. There's a reality of eternal life in heaven with Jesus. There's the reality of hell that is yet to come. God shook up this young man's life, and the young man committed himself to Jesus Christ. After that, an appeal was made, and actually he was released, and his record was expunged. It was wiped out because they realized that he was not guilty of that which he was accused of doing. He went back to work. He rose up in the ranks at work. And one day, unbeknownst to him, his brothers who were losing their ranch had come to the mortgage company where he worked. And they were seeking to find out if there was a way they could keep the ranch. The man who was supposed to work with them wasn't available, so he walked in. But he didn't show his face. And he told them when he saw who they were, there's no way I can deal with you with this. And he walked out. A little time passes, and the next scene in the movie, this man is driving up to the ranch. 
They don't recognize him. But when he gets out of the car and comes up, he hands them the deed to their property. He has made himself the guarantor of the property. He's purchased it. Now he's giving it to them. It's his act of forgiveness. Why? Because his life was changed. It was turned upside down by God so that God could accomplish a purpose that he wanted to. That's the power of the gospel. That's what you and I are responsible for sharing with other people. It wasn't a short-term fix. When God changes you, it's an eternal solution. And that's what God wants to do with all of us. Let's go back to the jailer for a minute. What was the jailer's response after he came to know who Jesus Christ was? Well, he said, come, let me cleanse you. Let me wipe your wounds away. Let me heal you. Let me help you. And then he took them upstairs and he and his wife and the kids fixed a wonderful meal for them and they sat around and ate and, and the kids heard the gospel and the mother heard the gospel and the whole household came to Jesus Christ and they were baptized right there. What an incredible story of the change that God can bring. Well, the prisoners were still in there. And here's a question I have. Can you imagine the difference in the jailer's heart now, in his attitude? Oh, he's still the diligent soldier. He doesn't change jobs because he's become a Christian. He doesn't say, well, now that I'm a Christian, I need to go into full-time Christian ministry. No, he's in full-time ministry. Every one of us are who are followers of Jesus Christ. I would love to have been in that jail, not as an occupant, but to watch the jailer as he now cares for those who are put in prison. I just believe, can't prove it, won't know it's true until I get to heaven, but I believe that that jailer probably shared the gospel with every single prisoner that ever came through that jail. Why? Because he understood his responsibility to share the gospel. The jailer had been saved. Now here's the last understanding that you need. What does it really mean to be saved? If we know what it means to be saved and we understand our responsibility to share this gospel because we know the gospel is the power of God to change lives, to change hearts, then we have no excuse but to go out and tell other people about it. To be saved literally generally means to be saved out of something, some difficulty, some trap you find yourself in, or saved from some danger that's out there. But to be saved as a follower of Jesus Christ is to be saved from ourselves, from our sinful nature, to be saved from Satan's power, to be saved from the wrath of God, to be saved from eternal hell, to be saved unto eternal life. That's what it really means. I think the jailer really understood that. And so what I want to do is I want to take the jailer and I want to give him what we call a two-word story. My two-word story was very simple. I was lost, then I was found. Many different people have two words. You write out what happened to you before you were a follower of Christ and you Try to narrow that down to one word. And then you look at yourself as a new follower of Christ and you narrow that down to one word. And there are your two words. I was lost and I'm found. 
Here's the jailer. Pretend for a moment that the jailer is going into one of those prison cells and he's about to tell somebody his story. What's his story? I believe he says, I thought I was a jailer in a prison, but actually I was a prisoner in my own jail. So he went from prisoner to free. He went from being jailed to being loose. He told the story. He sat in front of this prisoner and said, look, one night I had a group of people in here and an earthquake came and the doors flew open and all the chains flew off and I knew that I was destined to be destroyed by the military powers above me and I ran in and, and this man was sitting there and he said, don't do that. And so I didn't. And then he told me the story of Jesus Christ and how Jesus had died for me. And I accepted and believed that and my life was changed in my wife's life and my kid's life. Everything changed in my life. That's his two-word story, jailed, free. What's yours? Have you taken time to write that story? If you're truly saved, you have a story. Every one of us has a story and it's different from everybody else's. And there are two words in there somewhere that will help you. You remember mine. I was lost, now I'm found. The jailer's is probably a great story that he was jailed and now he's set free, no longer a prisoner of his own jail. But maybe you don't have a two-word story. Well, that's okay. You know why? Because you need Jesus Christ in your life. You need to invite him to come in, and he will. I want to pray with you for that. Because today could be the day that you are totally set free. If you'll pray this prayer after me, let's see what God will do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Change me, Lord. Help me to be what you have designed me to be. Become my reference point. Let me see Jesus in all of his glory take over my life. Now, Lord, I trust you, and I want to get started on this new journey. So help me now, I pray in your name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me today, we have available for you something called a starter kit. It is, includes a Bible and many other items that will help you as you begin your journey. But we want to hear from you. So your host in the chat room will tell you how you can obtain one of those starter kits. And for those of you who are already followers of Christ, my prayer is that this week you're going to go out there and you're going to share the gospel with somebody, your two-word story. You're going to let them know who Jesus is. God will use you to change someone else's life and take them out of their prison. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. Lord, we do love you, and we pray for the power and the opportunity to share you at this season. Help us to go and to tell others. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.